On August 10th, the Senate passed a historic infrastructure bill, which means it is game time for infrastructure investing. Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Zarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing these perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of August 23, 2021. That's right. As hard as it is to believe, August is almost over and fall is coming. And what a busy fall it will be. We are looking at Washington for updates on infrastructure in particular. Why is that, Robert? Well, that's the good question that you asked, Lauren. On August 10th, two weeks ago, the Senate passed a historic infrastructure spending bill of $1.2 trillion. And that is titled the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which focuses on spending on transportation, utilities, and pollution cleanup. Now that it's passed the Senate, the bill heads to the House of Representatives, where a vote is not expected until October. Right. And with a few obstacles, like recent events in Afghanistan and potential reconciliation bills also looming on the horizon, we're keeping an eye on it. But before we get into all that, what is in this physical infrastructure package, Robert, and how is it being funded? Well, we can answer both questions at the same time. The infrastructure bill reauthorizes about $650 billion of spending on existing federal transportation programs and adds additional funds, 550 billion, into making the electric grid more resilient, supporting nuclear power generation, expanding broadband access, and other modernization objectives, let's call it. Interesting. Well, that all sounds pretty great. And the existing 650, that seems straightforward in terms of spending on programs that already exist. But where is that new $550 billion coming from? Well, In order for the bill to receive bipartisan support, it was critical that there were no new taxes to pay for the package. So instead, the plan is to repurpose existing COVID-19 funds, some fees on reporting requirements for cryptocurrency, delaying Medicare rebates, and funds from auctions of wireless spectrum. Okay, that makes sense. So finding a little bit here and a little bit there. Now, the final vote in the Senate when this was passed was 69 in favor and 30 against. And a big contributor to that, like you're saying, Robert, was no increased taxes related to the funding. Let's get into now the obstacles of the bill. What might make it a little bit more difficult to pass than the 64 and 30 against we've already seen? I was surprised that it passed with so much bipartisan support. But now that path looks a little bit more rocky and a little bit time consuming as the bill makes its way to the House. Democrats have already voiced that they will not vote on it unless the Senate passes a separate, even more ambitious $3.5 trillion social infrastructure policy bill this fall. Right. And that's the human infrastructure package we've been hearing so much about since Biden even ran for president. This reconciliation bill would include the human infrastructure that you just noted outlined in Biden's original proposal. That's spending on healthcare, education, childcare, climate change programs, really important stuff. 
But the House's approach here could put even the physical infrastructure bill, that $1.2 trillion that we were just talking about, on hold for a couple weeks, if not months. Got it. And frankly, adding to the complication of this bill passage process is that the $3.5 trillion in human infrastructure would have to pass right through that reconciliation process. And as a reminder for our listeners, that's a process that allows policymakers to bypass any potential filibuster and use the budgeting process to assign money to various policies, including new policies like this infrastructure bill. I'm oversimplifying here a little bit, but that's the general idea. Yep. Basically, a way to pass the remainder of Biden's plans addressing climate change, expanding health care, and providing free education. You put that all into a budget package that you can pass without necessarily bipartisan support, the reconciliation process. Got it. So that's one complication. We can call it just the policy sausage making is complicated. But there's also been a more recent bump in the road regarding geopolitical risks, because on August 15th, just five days after the Senate passed this infrastructure bill, Afghanistan was seized by the Taliban, which is a militant group that ran the country in the late 1990s, just two weeks before the U.S. was set to complete its troop withdrawal after, of course, a two-decade war. Now, we don't believe that the events in Afghanistan will have a direct effect on financial markets per se, but the Taliban's success here does increase geopolitical risk and could hurt Biden politically, which could threaten any sort of legislative agenda. But that includes, of course, the infrastructure bill and also puts a lot of attention on Democratic hopes to maintain seats in the House and the Senate, which might impact their politics on this bill as well. Right. And then when you add in a bunch of other legislative uncertainties, things that have caused market volatility in the past, like raising the debt ceiling or avoiding government shutdowns, then you start to see a couple more headwinds for the markets build on the horizon. So LG, how do we put this all together? What's the takeaway for investors on this? Well, we have added and discussed a lot of complications to this bill so far, but our base case is actually that we expect two infrastructure bills to come to fruition. The current $1.2 trillion relatively bipartisan spending on traditional or physical infrastructure and a second human infrastructure spending bill as well, albeit we expect a a much smaller price tag than the currently estimated $3.5 trillion. Now it's time for our Portfolio Pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And today we'll be answering the question, of course, how does the infrastructure bill impact investments? To start off, we believe that policy developments will be constructive for infrastructure investments and municipal bonds. However, these policy investments don't need the bill to maintain a positive outlook. And that's because listed infrastructure companies, they don't rely on government spending for investment in their own infrastructure assets. As a result, the spending bill will likely have little immediate impact on the outlook for their cash flows. That's right. And so we don't necessarily need additional federal spending to feel constructive about listed infrastructure and municipal bonds. That said, if we do see increased spending on infrastructure, that could provide a potential tailwind to infrastructure-related megatrends around decarbonization, asset modernization, and digital transformation, all of which these asset classes could leverage further. Another way to invest in infrastructure outside of just a listed infrastructure companies is through municipal bonds that provide an essential source of funding for infrastructure projects at the state and local municipal levels, including roads, bridges, airports, schools, hospitals, 
renewable energy, energy efficient products, all these things that help facilitate the functioning of our economy and therefore present themselves as an appropriate way to invest in infrastructure. You can learn more about these topics from our specialist colleagues on the NewYorkLifeInvestments.com website and clicking insights. Finally, I think it's important for investors to identify green infrastructure. Be remiss to not recognize that on today's program. While the bill will largely focus on renewable energy and pollution cleanup that will boost green infrastructure, investors should focus not only on the right securities and opportunities, but also identifying these at the right price and allocating to them accordingly. Coming up next... It's not Fed week, but it may be even better. This week holds the Kansas City Fed's Jackson Hole Conference, which is monetary policy heaven. Central bankers will meet up to discuss the latest topics in policy, and we'll hear speeches from folks like Fed Chair Jay Powell. It's going to be a real nail biter, because in last week's Fed meeting minutes, we learned that, well, we actually kind of already knew this, but we learned that the Fed confirmed that it's planning to start tapering soon, maybe even by the end of this year. It's right. Very exciting. Uh, They probably need a few more data points to confirm that. I'm thinking two more good jobs reports would make a trend towards substantial progress. And we'll also be keeping an eye on the Delta variant's impact to the economy. But all this means that policymakers' speeches at Jackson Hole could include language inching closer to tapering. A lot of investors have been asking us what that means for the markets. And I think it's important to remember that it's all about expectations versus reality. The Federal Reserve has been telegraphing for months that the timeline for tapering asset purchases was likely around the corner. As a result, we don't expect a taper tantrum type news like the unexpected taper announcement in 2013, but no one has a crystal ball. No one knows how the markets are going to react exactly, and so I'll definitely have my eyes peeled. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on our website, which is newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the insights tab. Until then, I am Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. Special thanks to Unvi Ko, who contributed to this episode. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. 
This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC, and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC. 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.